Thanks for taking the time to listen to this NHS Employers podcast. For all the latest NHS HR workforce information, visit www.nhsemployers.org. In this podcast, you will hear Jennifer Gardner, Programme Lead for Health and Wellbeing at NHS Employers, and Dr Anne Bono, Chair of the NHS Health at Work Network, discuss what a quality occupational health service looks like, the role they can play in achieving organisational goals, and how occupational health can contribute to the health and wellbeing agenda. This podcast is aimed at HR and OH professionals and health and wellbeing leads working in the NHS. Hello, I'm Anne Dabono, and it's my privilege um, to be chair at the moment of the NHS Health at Work Network, which links occupational health services in the NHS across England. My own background is as a consultant in occupational medicine after completing my training I had the fun, really, of starting up a service in a small trust in Leicester, Leicester General NHS Trust, which became the nucleus for a very much larger trust following trust mergers and development of our service um, with contracts with a wide uh, variety of NHS um, and uh, other organisations. Our service now looks after uh, 30,000 NHS staff or healthcare students and we have contracts on a more limited basis with a number of external I- industries in Leicester, including food, uh, manufacturing, engineering and science and technology laboratories. Thank you, Anne. Um, so in your opinion, what does a quality OH service look like? A quality OH service should be clinically led. It should practice evidence-based occupational health. And we know that the development of evidence base in occupational, the evidence base for occupational health is in progress. It should be equitable. It should deal with everybody in the same way and it should be accessible to all. So in the NHS, that means it should be accessible to managers, to staff, to their representatives, and people should be able to be seen on a self-referral and a management referral basis. It should work within an NHS organisation, be accepted as part of it, should provide the full range of occupational health services, of which we could say more, specialist services, particular focus on on NHS matters, health and workers related to NHS staff, and it should provide training opportunities um, and training posts for both nurses and doctors. It may work in in alliance with other practitioners in some services, other practitioners, for example, physiotherapists or counsellors may be a direct part of the service, in others their services may be contracted in or be part of the wider links and um, synergies really within which the service occup- uh, within which the service operates. Above all, a quality occupational health service should have credibility with clinicians, with managers, with the people who work in the organization. There are measurements of quality, but if you want to know if you've got a good occupational health service, I think it's important to go and talk to the people in the organization where the service sits and see what they tell you about it. See if they want to use it. Lovely. Thank you, Anne. And you've just said there about talking to people in the service. My next question is, how do we measure quality? There are developing measures of quality um, in occupational health. The most important one is the uh, 
accreditation standard developed by the Faculty of Occupational Medicine for safe, effective, quality occupational health services. In the case of the NHS, um, there's an additional um, group, uh, group of standards relating to the ways in which um, an NHS service works, um, particularly to prevent ill health um, associated with work, to provide timely intervention and rehabilitation, to promote well-being, to contribute to audit, research and the training of a sustainable workforce, measuring performance and providing regular reports to managers. I think you should also look at a service and see if they're participating in audits, in particular the Mohawk, which is a clinical registry, uh, system for benchmarking aspects of occupational health provision against other services and the Health Work Development Unit audits for occupational health which are lodged with the Royal College of Physicians. I can give you some examples of quality which will also um, link in the specific individual examples which will also uh, link into other things that we're going to talk about. But a good, um, a good occupational health service should have a proven track record in getting people back to work. It should be able to tell you how it does this, should be supported by policies and procedures to enable this, should be able to demonstrate a good working relationship with human resources. Uh, for example, if somebody has a chronic illness and might otherwise lose their employment, occupational health should be able to uh, assess them in terms of adjustments required, retain their skill and expertise for the organisation by, in concert with their managers, finding the right way um, to help them in employment. A senior uh, medical member of staff said to a consultant occupational physician recently, you have absolutely no idea how much money you have saved this trust by keeping me at work. The problem with many of the measures of quality or many of the performance measures is that their opportunity costs are intangible. He followed up his comment by saying the trust won't realise exactly what it has unless it loses it. Very true. Thank you very much. Um, I often get asked about different service models. Of the different service models in operation within occupational health, what do you think is the most successful? I don't think there is one size fits all or only one service model which works. All services should be able to demonstrate the core functions of an occupational health service to prevent work-related ill health, to assess um, ill health in employees and help their return to work. But the way in which they do this, to some extent, is determined by how large they are and what their facilities are. So obviously, a large occupational health service um, can do more in-house. A smaller occupational health service might be well advised to seek to work in partnership with other occupational health services in the area. And this is something that the Health Work Network is keen to promote um, and to, to assist with. I think it's important to say that the cheapest option is not necessarily the best. And I mentioned opportunity costs already, but we're in a very cost-conscious era. A properly funded in-house occupational health service, I believe very strongly, can provide a unique contribution to the health and well-being, not just of individuals who work, um, work within the trust or the organisations which it serves, um, but actually to the organisational efficiency, um, the organisational well-being, if you like, um, of an NHS trust. And we can say a little bit more about that in a moment. 
Thank you. You've just touched on some of my next points, but um, what role can OH play in achieving organisational goals? The first and most obvious example is in achieving, helping an organisation to reduce its sickness absence. Um, that's the one that's always um, raised and tends to be raised uh, raised nationally and to please government because obviously that's important in tackling overall NHS costs. And there are some very good examples of where occupational health services have specifically done this and have either won or helped to do this because you don't do it alone. Occupational health services are advisory but what they achieve is achieved in concert with the managers and the human resources advisors in their trust. Uh, specific examples. Um, Dr Julia Smedley's team in Southampton um, developed a highly integrated case management approach to reducing sickness absence and they were able to show a 10% reduction in the proportion of four-week absences which moved on to being eight-week absences. Similarly, the Occupational Health in Buckinghamshire um, Healthcare Trust cooperated with a plan for a care manager, a senior nursing manager, to work together to look at sickness absence, to again case manage uh, absence, and they were also rewarded by a 10% reduction. York Health Trust um, can show you similar results um, overall in the way in which their occupational health service became involved, directly involved with their trust, <clears throat> and looking, for example, at times of referral to occupational health and ensuring that people were picked up in the early window when they can be really helped. The government's proposed health and work advisory service wants people to have the option of some um, health work input, a form of limited occupational health service, if you like, after four weeks absence, because it's recognised that this is critical. And occupational health services which are engaged with their organisation can do a great deal um, to improve the management of sickness absence, but to help people retain employment and retain work, which is in turn so good for their health. But there are other measures too. Um, I don't know how familiar listeners will be with the Borman report, but Dr Steve Borman looked at occupational health, looked at well-being in the NHS, and he showed that where there is an effective occupational health service which is valued by its trust and which is engaged with its trust, then the workforce is more productive and measures um, of a good organisation improve. Measures related to patient care, for example, the MRSA rates go down, patient satisfaction surveys improve, staff turnover is reduced and the whole organisation benefits. Another example I would give is the Francis report highlighted very clearly the failures which can occur when early warning signs of problems and problems with care in a trust are ignored. Now a good occupational health service which knows its organisation and which people are happy to consult will be aware of the problems within the organisation. They can map the difficulties in an organisation. And that can be in that sort of intelligence without compromising confidentiality can be of enormous benefit um, to trusts, to senior management in highlighting areas where there are problems and stepping in ahead of time to make changes. I would strongly, strongly promote occupational health as, um, as, a, as, as a, a, something that should be viewed as a an imperative really following the Francis report that an engaged occupational health service is your best early warning system. Lovely, thank you. So we've talked a bit there about achieving organisational goals. How do you think OH services contribute to the health and wellbeing agenda? 
That's a much broader question, and it's not something that involves occupational health services alone. But taking it bit by bit and looking at what occupational health services can do and perhaps more importantly, what they can influence others to do, I think we can have some feeling uh, for where they sit. Dame Carol Black's review of the health of Britain's working age population showed very clearly that work is good for health. The earlier work of of, um, uh, um, Gordon and Waddell showed that where people are not in work, where people become workless, this has serious consequences, not just for themselves, but for their families and for society as a whole. And Dame Carroll showed this very clearly in her in her report. In fact, hearing her speak, she likened the problems of losing your work to, to uh, being given a bad prognosis with cancer, which sounds slightly startling. But I think one of the most important ways in which an occupational health service can help individuals is to assist them um, to work, to work effectively, to retain their employment and assist organisations to help people, to keep them in work, phased and rehabilitative programmes in the workplace. So that's very important for individuals, also important for organisations. But I suspect that what you really want me to say is something about the wider area of what used loosely to be called health promotion. And I think that there are two aspects to this. I think there are some aspects of promoting good health which are unique to an occupational health service and certainly to an NHS occupational health service, and that is preventing work-related ill health. That's what we're uniquely placed to do, and advising the trust about appropriate um, immunisation programmes, for example, um, health surveillance programmes for exposures to things which could damage health, um, and being alert to problems in the workplace. Immunisation programmes and health surveillance don't just protect staff, they also protect patients from the risk of infection from staff, and they play a part in the overall infectious disease profile of the community. But if we look at wider measures of good health, if we look at smoking, obesity, for example, occupational health services, again, can play a part in conjunction with others in encouraging their trust to be a health and work promoting trust. They can assist with specific events on an organisational basis. They can also, on an individual basis, signpost people to appropriate help. We have um, a system in the trust where I work called MEC, Making Every Contact Count, where people can be referred for lifestyle advice, particular example for smoking cessation advice or alcohol advice. And every occupational health consultation, just in the same way as other clinical consultations should be, is an opportunity to try to do something for that person's health, not just for the immediate problem that you're faced with. Um, So I would say that we have an absolute duty to prevent work-related ill health, to promote good working health, to keep people at work, and to work with others within the organisation, within our within our own organisations and beyond uh, to make uh, the environment a health-promoting environment in which people value healthy behaviours and take that knowledge of healthy behaviours home um, to their families and to the community in which they live. Excellent. Thank you very much. Um, Thank you very much for talking to us today about quality OH services um, and the invaluable contribution that OH OH makes to wellbeing, organisational goals and obviously patient care. Thanks very much. Thank you.